0: Hello and welcome to Self Love Unicorn Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Cupcakes. I'm an esthetician, blogger, yoga and Pilates teacher, a self love coach, and a self-professed self love unicorn. I believe in both inner and outer beauty. And I believe in learning how to be more comfortable in your own skin and loving the skin you're in. This podcast is going to be about everything it takes to be comfortable in your own skin. From the world we live in, to what we put in and on our bodies, to how we care for ourselves mentally and emotionally. It is about finding self-love through both inner and outer beauty. This podcast is part of my mission to help both women and men fall in love with the skin they're in through my passion for beauty, lifestyle, and wellness. I want to provide you with the tools you need to look and feel your best inside and out. My goal is that through skincare, healthy nutrition and exercise, and of course a little inner work, I can help you find a balance, increase your confidence, find self-love, and become the most beautiful version of yourself. So don't forget to subscribe, and let's dive right into today's episode. What's up, y'all? Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Self Love Unicorn Podcast. So in today's episode, this is actually a video that I posted before on a YouTube channel, and that I also had used as an audio recording for another podcast that I previously had. So this is an older episode, but I do think that the message is very important, so I wanted to include it in this episode today. So I'm going to be talking with my good friend, Coach Jenny, and you can find out more about Coach Jenny at coachjenny.com, and that's J-E-N-N-I-E. Jenny and I have been friends for over 10 years, uh, she is my husband's best friend. She is a life coach. She really helps people get out of their own way and stop the self-sabotage. But we had this really great conversation about how comparison is the thief of joy and how compare e- comparison equals despair. Basically, this idea of when we compare ourselves, it keeps us playing small and prevents us from doing the things that we really want to do. And I feel like it's a very important conversation to have in this Instagram world where we're often comparing where we are to where other people are. And other people may have more than we do at the moment, but they have probably been on the journey a little bit longer than we have So this also relates towards body positivity, about the way that we compare ourselves in society, through social media, with friends, with family, with coworkers, relating to our body, our body image, our self-confidence, and our feeling of self-worth. So I thought it was really important to share this conversation with you guys again. So without further ado, we're gonna dive in today's episode. So I'm here with Jenny, and Jenny, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, My name's Jenny Mustafa-Julak, but everybody just calls me Coach Jenny, and I have been a coach since 2006. I specialize in talking about Hilda, which is the name I give to that voice in your head who tells you you suck. And I, I also work specifically with entrepreneurs like Christopher, who are doing things that are pretty amazing, and they don't want their inner critic to slow them down anymore.
0: Good. And you have a book?
1: I do. I have a book. Duh. I have (laughs) a book. He was like, hello. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I have a book. It's named is also Hilda. Tackle your inner naysayer, get out of your own way and unleash your badassery.
0: And I will include the link to all of Jenny's information and her book as well. You can get it on Amazon and a couple other places. I'll put that in the description box as well for you guys. So in today's video, we want to talk a little bit about this idea of compare compare equals despair. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get you on to talk to you about this idea of it and tying into that inner voice that we have, um, Hilda, which uh, Jenny knows this, but you guys don't know this. I've worked with Jenny. Jenny and I have been friends for... Oh my god! I don't know how long. Longer was, than we want to say. Years or <laughs> I was in her wedding. She was in my wedding. Um, I did her makeup for her wedding. But so we've known each other for a long time. But my, i worked with Jenny too with coaching. And my inner voice actually call Herman.
2: I love that.
0: And he's like a crotchety old man who's like, get out of my yard. But he's like really, you know. So he kind of. <laughs> so. I want to talk about that as far as it relates to Hilda, too. So tell me a little bit more about this idea that you have as far as like compare equals despair.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So compare equals despair is not something I coined, but I've looked everywhere and I can't figure out who did coin that term. But in coaching, in the coaching world, a lot of people, specifically in life coaching, but also in business coaching, talk about this idea that comparing yourself to others is going to create despair, right? It's going to feel crappy. There's absolutely no good positive reason to compare yourself to others. Well, I don't know that that's completely true. If you're doing market research, there's some times to do it. But in this context, in the context of what Christopher does, I don't know why I'm talking about you in the third person, you're right there. In the context of what you do, <laughs> it really is a, a trap where we're always paying attention and judging ourselves against what other people are doing, how other people show up. And in the body image world, how other people look. And as soon as we start comparing ourselves to others, we're setting up a very false dichotomy. We're setting up a very bad precedent for how we're going to measure our own success. And I have fallen victim to this for most of my adult life, a good portion of my teen years too, I where think- I was obsessed about that. I think what you're right, everybody has that problem.
0: Tell me a little bit more about Hilda and how she relates to this idea of comparison. Because my own experience with Hilda has been that, that I didn't live up to the idea of what a Pilates teacher should look like, or I didn't live up to what other Pilates teachers were doing, or I wasn't worthy enough or good enough as a teacher to be on the same level as other Pilates teachers. And that's what you and I have worked on in the past and coaching. So tell me a little bit more about how Hilda hits you in that comparison. Yeah. yeah.
1: So Hilda, again, that inner critic, that voice in your head who's been kind of collecting messages and experiences your whole life is designed to keep you safe. She means, well, even though she goes about it in a crummy way. <laughs> and one of the ways that she gets into your brain is to get you to obsess about what other people think of you right? It's kind of like the Kardashian effect, right? We feel like we're wandering through life like a Kardashian with spotlights on us at every moment. Everybody's watching and waiting for us to make a fool of ourselves, embarrass ourselves, fall on our tushes. Um, People are waiting for us to fail. And so because we feel like we're walking around with this incessant spotlight, we start behaving differently than we actually would if we were being authentic. Right. So, you know, Hilda, what she does is she will fill you with messages of, like you were just describing, Chris, where it'll say stuff like, well, who do you think you are? You know, you're no good for this. Or they're all going to laugh at you. You're mm-hmm. going to make a fool out of yourself. Who told you that you're allowed to be this big? Who do you think you are? And for me, my Hilda takes that to another level with the body image stuff. Like, how can you be an expert on self-sabotage with those thighs? You know what I mean? And she can get really cruel and really mean. And that voice, because it's in our head, we believe it. Like, why wouldn't we? Until you name it Hilda or Herman or something silly, it just feels like your thoughts. And so what my work is all about is waking you up to the fact that those thoughts that you hear all the time are BS beliefs. They're just thoughts you've had so much that you've bought into them. But when you recognize, wait, I'm going to attribute that thought to Hilda. Now you have that objectivity between you and that thought. It's not actually your thought. It's that broad. <laughs> and I can say, I disagree and and deal with it um, as though it was a
2: person in front of you.
0: Right. And I also think too, in reality, we're all walking around with these thoughts, these Hilda thoughts in our head. so in reality, we're not even really paying that much attention to other people. It's, I mean we're comparing ourselves to other people, but for the most part, those people aren't really paying attention to us. Like it, I think that it's um, it's not as big as it really is in our head. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, I was going to say is, you know, it's true. Most people that love you are not watching to watch you fail. Like they're watching to see you succeed. They want to support you. But once in a while you run into what I call a human
2: Hilda. Mm. Right? A Mm -hmm. human
1: Hilda who probably isn't saying anything to you, but is making a little comment about her over there. And so you hear her judgment and walk away paranoid about what she says about you when you're not there. Yeah. You've had that experience, right?
0: Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Like I've told you before, the Pilates world is vicious when they talk about other people and just try to tear other people down. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And I always am always wondering, well, what are they really saying about me behind my back? So I hear what you're saying with that. Yeah. And that kind of relates to, because in this world today, most of our life is now lived online. Like, you know, with social media, there's so much that we put out on social media and this idea of comparison Um, on social media, the more that I was kind of reading about it, and I just want to read something really quick, is um, psychologists call it the social comparison theory, Mm -hmm. which is basically what we're talking about. But it says um, that this means that we determine our own social and personal worth based on how we think we stack up to others. So this is often how we compare ourselves to others as a way of fostering self-improvement self-motivation and a positive self-image so it's that idea of you know
2: like for in my
0: case when I was seeing like what I would think was like Pilates instructors particularly male Pilates instructors where I was like wow they look really good and maybe I have an extra 20 30 40 pounds on me and we talked about this recently that I felt like If I wasn't that ideal Pilates teacher, if I didn't look like a Pilates teacher, my business wasn't going to be as successful. So talk to me a little bit more about how Hilda comes into as far as what we see through social media and how we're comparing ourselves through social media.
1: Yeah, social media is this wonderful gift slash devil. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I love that social media has given me the opportunity to take my business online into the whole world. So I have a global business from my living room. That's really cool. But at the same time, social media creates metrics for you, right? How many followers do you have? How many likes did that post get? Goodness gracious, you put a selfie on Instagram and it's Hilda right? Because if you don't get enough hearts, what does that mean? If you get hearts from her, she doesn't really mean it. And you start creating all this meaning in there, right? Right. Based on these bizarrely stupid metrics that seem to matter, right? And they start to make you crazy. And then on top of that, we're in what I call the perfectionism trap, right? Mm. As a life coach who helps people stop sabotaging themselves, I need to never sabotage myself again. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, that doesn't happen. Christopher needs to be 0.1% body fat because he's in the fitness industry and if he has any body fat on him or God forbid, eats a cupcake, it's over, right? Right. right? It's that kind of nonsense that we get into our heads and because we are not that image of perfection and we can never achieve that bar, nor should we, Hilda tries to trick us into, well, if you can't, why do you even bother? If you can't achieve that level of perfectionism, hold yourself back. You're not ready.
0: Right. And that's what I was talking about in the intro before Jenny and I got on together was that I think that when we compare ourselves to others, it keeps us playing small so that we're not doing the things that we really want to do and achieve because we're always so constantly worried that it'll be never good enough. And Jenny knows this from my own experience because it took me how long to write that Pilates book?
1: (laughs) A long time, but I get it.
0: So a lot of people probably don't know this because I got to the point where I didn't even really like market it you know, we've talked about this. So I wrote a book on Pilates and it was basically a little bit of history of Pilates. It was kind of what the method was about. We touched, I touched on the principles of Pilates and then I did a full exercise breakdown of a beginner um, order of exercises so that anybody, and it was geared for beginners. And anybody that was interested in Pilates would be able to pick up this ebook and say, okay, this is what the exercise is for. And this is how you do it. This is how you modify it. I had pictures and everything. It took me probably five or six years, I think, maybe something like that, to yeah. finish this book because I was so afraid of the judgment of my peers.
1: Even though your book wasn't written for your peers.
0: Right. It wasn't for Pilates teachers. And that was the whole point that I wrote the book was that when I, when I was looking at other Pilates books that were out there, they were all for Pilates teachers and they were for advanced students. I wasn't finding anything for, you know, Jane Smith who wants to do Pilates at home that maybe is a little overweight or is uncomfortable going to a gym or whatever the case may be. I wanted something that she could pick up and that's, I geared it to very basic beginner people. But I was afraid that other Pilates teachers were going to be like, who are you to write a book? Like you've only been teaching for so long and what do you know? And this, that, and the other thing. So I really let that fear. And that was my major, Herman was, Herman was really in my head about that. It uh, keep me from finishing that book. And then when I decided I just had had enough, I'm like, I'm gonna finish it. I'm gonna do the photo shoot. I'm gonna edit the damn thing. I'm gonna put it in ebook form, and I'm gonna sell it on Amazon for. I think I listed it for like a dollar ninety nine or something crazy. Because so I was like, I just want to be done with it. And I didn't market it in any way. I told very few people that it was out there <laughs> because Ray I
1: went out in a little whisper.
0: Yeah, I just was like, I just want it done because I wanted to just detach myself from that whole idea of that like voice in my head telling me that I wasn't good enough to write this damn book. Now the book that I'm writing now, I'm telling more people because it's my own personal experience and journey. And I feel like I've gone beyond that now. Right. You know, where I'm not listening to the voice of other people. And to be honest, I don't really give... To, you know, a big flying F about what other people think. Thank you, Jenny, for your help on that. <laughs> You're but welcome. It's, it's totally different because it, here was this thing that I wanted to create in order to help and inspire other people, and I wasn't getting it done because of my own fears. So like I said, playing small and not achieving the things that I wanted to do because I was comparing myself to other people or worried about negative you know, feedback I was going to get from other people.
1: Yeah. You know, in, in my coaching practice, we have something we call the hater dance because everybody is so terrified of getting a hater. Like the idea that somebody's going to go to Amazon, please don't do this by the way, go to Amazon or review one of our books and say it sucks. Like the idea of that, the fear of that happening is terrifying. Mm-hmm. but when it finally does happen and you get your first hater, what I tell every one of my clients is to call me immediately. We're going to hop on a zoom and we're going to dance it out like Meredith mm-hmm. gray and Christina, Christina, whatever, um, from Gray's anatomy. We're going to dance it out because it's a celebration because what that means is you've put yourself out there and you're making your business and, and your work and your ideas visible enough. That it's ruffling somebody's feathers Mm -hmm. and so every you know somebody's gonna hate it and so then that's when you know you've pushed past it so I don't want you to have to experience it but it's gonna happen Chris one day some Pilates instructor is gonna be like Pilates can't be for everybody Pilates is for size two and under and you're gonna say what and it's gonna make you mad but you're gonna call me we're gonna dance it out
0: hmm And that's not to say, like I said, I've gotten over that, but that's not to say that I'm 100% perfect. I still have that. The more that I lean into this idea of body positivity, the more comfortable I'm getting. And that's, you know, becoming part of my business as well. And that's why I'm doing more videos and the podcast. But I still have those moments. For instance, I have an interview tomorrow to go teach at a studio where we just moved to. And that is the, what keeps going through my head. You don't look like a Pilates teacher. They're gonna say you're too fat to teach Pilates. They're not gonna wanna hire you because you're too fat. You don't, And this is all running through my head. And the weird thing is, is that I don't even really care but I'm still letting it get to me. Because I'm like, if they were like, we're not going to hire you because you're fat, I'd be like, bye, I'm on to the next. You know what I mean? I'll do my own shit.
1: Right, like in your confident <laughs> moments. But yeah. leading up to it, there's that little secret habit. And that's what it is not a disease you have, but a habit of listening to Herman tell you, yeah, but they're going to call you fat. And they're going to be thinking that. They're not going to say it. And like, you get that kind of crap in your head. And that's what cycles on repeat. And it's, it's human nature. I mean, think about it. If you ever got a performance review and everything was glowing, like greatest review ever, you're getting a 5% raise. We love you. It's awesome. But by the way, areas of improvement, you were tardy three times and something else. And all of a sudden, you didn't hear anything they said except, when was I tardy? Was I tardy? Oh, my gosh, I was tardy. Right? <laughs> Our head goes to that negative place and reels. Yeah. And so that's what Hilda and Herman do. They want you to reel They They want you to get stuck there because then you slow down or better yet you stop. So go into that interview. And if they think that they think that, and you're right, you'll, you'll leave. But what if you have positive intent? What if you assume these people are enlightened? They're woke. They're not going to be looking at the size of your thighs or whatever. I don't know why it is for me. The size of my thighs <laughs> is my big, my big hang up. But they're not going to be looking at that. There's not like, oh, now will you hop on the scale so we can decide whether or not you're worthy. Right. Assume that they're looking for somebody who gets it and who's going to be able to teach their students to fall in love with Pilates. Right.
0: Right. And I know that too because my experience with teaching in the studios that I've worked on, I've always been one of the most popular teachers. I mean, my testimonials speak to themselves. My clients love me. I know I'm a good teacher. Whatever weight I'm at doesn't define my define how good I am as a teacher. I can hop on the reformer and do any exercise just about that. I am able to teach. Um, But it's still that little bit of a voice in the head. And that's something that I'm working on to get over. And like, you know, I promote, I want to promote the message that Pilates is for everybody and every body, regardless of age, size, physical level, all that. That's what I really truly believe in. That's what I tell my clients. And now I'm getting to that point where we'd had this conversation the other day where I'm like, why am I beating myself up so much when I won't let my clients do it? <laughs> so well, and it,
1: it makes sense, right? Because in especially American culture, but just in social media culture, there is, and I mean, you have the extra layer of fitness culture. There are these expectations that are said and unsaid of perfection. It's the same in the coaching industry. There's an expectation that my life is completely buttoned up right? That things are just great. If I'm going to call myself a life coach, I must be walking on water somewhere. And that is just not the case. And it's not actually an expectation we have for other industries, but within our own industry, we can get stuck there. You know, we can make ourselves nuts. I, for one, I'll share with you, I have a speaking gig coming up. It's a pretty Mm -hmm. big deal for me. It's probably the biggest stage I've been on. Thank you. And as soon as I got it, as soon as I finished celebrating, here comes Hilda. Oh my gosh, how are you going to, I swear this is what she said. How are you going to announce the elephant in the room being, which is awful, right? And I was really working hard, talking to different people. How do I work into my speech without making everybody uncomfortable? How do I point out that I'm fat? Why do I have to point out that I'm fat?
0: And that's what I said to you. was like, why do you even have to address it? Because you're not there to talk about I mean, that's not- I'm right. not
1: there to talk about that, right. And my, my weight is not a human failing. There's not even a failing that I need to somehow point out to justify it's okay for me to be on the stage. I'm not on the stage to teach people to be, fat, to be thinner, to be uh, more perfecter. I'm teaching them- to stop listening to Hilda and stop waiting until everything is just so to go after the life you want. And then I'm demonstrating that. So this wake up call that I don't have to point out <laughs> this thing is, was a, a, a radical thought and an embarrassing one too, because I'm like, you're the expert on Hilda, and you're trying to figure out how to make sure Hilda has a moment to tell everybody that you're fat. There, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, so I totally understand what you're saying.
0: And it's true too. Like I always tell my clients, like you shouldn't be comparing yourself against other people. Right? We talked about that in social media. Like I, you know, oh, the female cover models are this. I should look this way. You know, male cover models are this way. I should look this way. And it's like we shouldn't compare ourselves to what we're seeing in social media, what we're seeing on television, what we're seeing in magazines. And here's the thing too, those people are trying to sell you something. Yeah. Weight loss, workouts, those kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. That's a whole other video. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I always tell my clients like, you should compare yourself to the person you were yesterday.
2: Or oh, like that.
0: Like, how, are, how have you grown what have you learned? How are you different as a person than you were a year ago, three years ago, five years ago? Like, that's what you should be comparing yourself to. And I said, and I hate to use it because it is kind of cliche now, and it's been kind of taken to mean something different. But to me, it's always that idea of, like, progress over perfection. Yeah, and absolutely. As long as we're moving towards something, who cares if it's perfect? And you would always tell me... Um, Better done than perfect or something Better like that. Better done
2: exactly. than perfect, that's it. That's exactly it.
1: Right, this idea, first of all, perfectionism is a trap and an excuse. When I when I was younger, one of my first mentors when I was getting my first like professional job, she was prepping me for the interview and she said, if they ask you what your weaknesses are, just tell them that sometimes I can be a perfectionist. And that got into my head, Hilda replayed it as though perfectionism was something to aspire to something Mm. positive to kind of say, Oh, it's a weakness that I like to be perfect. Ew. I want you to be an imperfectionist. I want you to be somebody who says, you know what? I'm doing this as is, and it ain't going to be perfect. I'm going to start a live stream or a video show or a podcast and be okay with the fact that these are the charming years and it'll get better. I'll get better at this, right? You have to be willing to suck at first a little bit in order to grow. And if you're waiting until you have it all perfect, then you're missing the boat. I like to think about Oprah in this one, right? You imagine Oprah looks back at the 1987 reels going, oh my gosh, that hair. I mean, those early things, she was really uncomfortable and she was like holding herself like this, her microphone be sticking out of her arm because she was trying to be Phil Donahue. Yeah. When she dropped that, and she wasn't trying to be a black woman version of Phil Donahue, she became Oprah. She became a completely different thing. She became authentic. And maybe her weight yo-yoed, and all of those things are true. But that's when she
2: became the mobile.
0: I just got chills when you said that because <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I never really thought about it that way. And it's funny too on my one of my YouTube channels. The uh, I had someone who, a subscriber, who went back and commented on my very first video ever, which was only probably like maybe a year and a half or two years ago. And then I took a break from filming. And they even said, oh, I want to catch up on all your videos. I'm going to start at the beginning and work my way up. And I was like, no, don't do that. And I went back and I watched my first video. I was like, how horrible. I filmed it on my laptop using the camera that we're using right now using the little webcam on my camera. That's how I filmed this video. But I wanted to sit down and I wanted to do it. So I did it. Better but done than before. They were like, we're going to watch all your old videos. I panicked. I was like, no, don't do that because now they're a little better. I have a nice camera. I have a microphone. <laughs> but, but if I would have waited to have all of that, I would not have had a year's worth of videos for somebody to go back and look back on. You know,
1: And this video wouldn't be as good. Right. It's just the truth. There's this idea that we get in our head, these perfectionist ideas that we can somehow prepare ourselves. So day one, we walk out the gate and we're a gold medalist. you know what I mean? You can't do that. You have to, you have to start somewhere. So that's why I'm always saying better done than perfect. So much of what Hilda wants us to believe is that we're not ready enough. So we need to do a little more research little more learning and stay in the cycle of info crack instead yeah. of actually crossing a starting line. And then once you finally cross the starting line, ooh, it's never going to be perfect. So she's trying to keep you from start crossing the finish line. If you just let that go and say, you know what, I'm going to approach this as an imperfectionist. Somebody who knows, I know without a doubt it will not be perfect because here's how this all relates back to what we're talking about today. Perfectionism is really at its core, just your desire to make everything you have criticism proof.
2: Mm.
0: If it's
1: perfect, nobody can criticize it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Can you say that again?
1: Yes. Perfectionism is just a, an exercise in trying to make it, make what you're putting out there in the world criticism proof.
0: I love that. I love if that. If you
1: achieve perfection, then there's no way somebody can criticize you.
0: Well, it's funny because in in what I do too, I always have people that are like, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible, or I can't start Pilates because I need to lose weight, and I'm like, that's what you like. Meet your body where it is. Pilates, the Pilates reformer doesn't care how much you weigh. (laughs) Like, just get on, move your body. Like, and it's the same thing. People are keeping things like eating healthy, Um, even when I struggled with. Dieting and yo-yoing back and forth, I would always be like, "Well, I'm going to start a diet, but I'm going to start it on Monday because that's the best day to start a diet." So I think that idea of being of the perfect time and the perfect this and the perfect that is really, like you said, it's just procrastination in disguise.
1: It is, and it's it's trying to make sure that whatever you do doesn't get um, doesn't get criticized. You know, I, I relate to what you're talking about, feeling like you have to get in shape before you can go to a gym. Um, I had the same very similar experience. I'm like, well, I'll go to the gym and I, I will join a gym as soon as I can fit into Lululemon.
2: <laughs> that is the dumbest you know
0: thing how ever. I feel about that,
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no. First of all, there's no way I'm ever going to fit into Lululemon, and I have accepted that now. But I did it for a long time, like I really obsessed about it. Going, the people that are allowed to go to the gym in pants that are skin tight have to fit into that. Yeah. Right. And so we we create these false BS beliefs because, again, not because we have a disease or there's something wrong with us, but we have a lifelong habit of buying into these messages that Hilda has been teaching us for all this time. And what I'm on a mission to do and what I love about your mission is that we are both on a mission to wake everybody up to the fact that it's all BS. Like you don't have to get in shape to start Pilates. Pilates will get you in shape thrown out there right like you have the cart horse backward
0: <laughs> and what I'm learning too and I've heard from other instructors is that I don't have to be perfect to be an instructor because I have something to offer you know I have a different journey to share and there's going to be people that are going to be drawn to that and like I told you the other day when we talked I'm you know I'm not my client isn't the yummy mummies my client isn't yeah. the perfect you know person who wants to push themselves through a workout that's not my client that's not my people that's not my tribe
1: and the vast majority of people interested in Pilates are not the yummy mummies the vast majority of people who could benefit from learning about Pilates are also the same people who could benefit from some um, body image acceptance work right which is what your coaching is about so it there are It's such a backwards thing, but because of social media and popular culture and all these things, we have it backward in our head that we're trying to reach the ideal. The good news is the ideal is like 1% of society. The other 99% of us are at the ready to do the kind of work that we're looking to do. I know one of the things that I thought was a weakness, my imperfections, is actually a strength in my strength.
0: Oh, totally, totally. I was just having this conversation. Because it's like the, the things that you think are your weakness are the things that you can offer to somebody else. And you, I think sometimes people struggle with like, well, I have to wait. And you talked about with InfoCrack. I have to have this certification in order to talk about it. I have to have this. To me, I'm like, I, like I, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not. I'm so, I, you know, I was like, maybe I shouldn't be talking to people about being positive and having you know, positive body image, because I'm not a psychologist, but I'm talking about it from my experience. And the thing is, it's like, even though I'm very new into this, I'm a couple steps ahead of somebody else. Yeah. So another person who's new to this might be like, I don't know where to begin. Well, I'm starting to do the work. I have some of that I can give to you.
1: And let me just push back on that because you are new to articulating it. And talking about it but you are not new to these experiences you've been dancing with these experiences probably since you were a teenage boy and so you have a lifetime of experiences that inform and create the credentials you need Hilda Mm -hmm. to say that you are allowed to help other people with this you have helped me with this immensely and so I I feel so much more confident in my skin every single time I talk to you. Yes. And so if you can continue to do that for every other person you come into contact with, what the heck certification on the wall do you need for that? Right. None. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. street cred goes a lot further than wall cred.
0: So there's this idea of how comparison actually fosters competition instead of community. So I want to know your thoughts kind of around how do we take comparison and build a community around it instead of competition?
1: So that's a really good question about competition uh, versus community, because you're right. Typically by comparing yourself to others, you're holding up a measuring stick and saying, okay, here's how I measure up to that person or don't measure up to that person. And that creates some sort of competitive mindedness where it's like, in order to be successful, I have to beat that person. When you shift that to a community mindset, You don't have to beat anybody. In fact, I am a student of uh, Steve Farber. He's one of my, my mentors. And he wrote a book called Greater Than Yourself. And it's a book on leadership that is all about how do you actually mentor and coach and inspire people to be greater than yourself. What a concept. If my clients are more successful than me, that will make me look bad. I need to be the most successful person who will hire me. Um, everybody who doesn't want to be more successful than their coach because their coach helped push them to the next level. And if I do that, the amount of just amazing, uh, self-fulfillment that I get in, in really focusing on, I'm not competing or trying to stay above or just any of that crap, but I'm dropping that measuring stick. And my job is to make my clients as successful as humanly possible by shutting down Hilda so that they can get on with the business of changing the world that's all I have to do and then I can sit back and watch them change the world how cool is that awesome. So, what that does and it also with the community piece the other part is people want to help other people believe it or not mm. nobody wants to go through these experiences alone. And yet we feel like we're the only ones. Everybody who's ever met Hilda or read my book says, how are you reading my mind? Because we all feel like we're the only ones who have these really negative, doubtful thoughts. And I'm here to tell you, you're not. And when you find other people who also have that thought and then are chuckling at it with the Hilda Herman thing, instantly you have a conversation, you have a a language to talk about these things. And that creates community.
0: I love that. I love it. So just to wrap up um, other than buying and reading your book, because there's a lot of very uh, useful information in there. I want to know some of your kind of top tips about how people can stay in their own lane, Mm -hmm. meaning not comparing yourself to other people, focusing on what you want to do and achieve and, you know, staying in your own lane. So give me like your top three tips, on how we can stay in our own lanes, and then anything else you want to add on this topic before we go.
1: Absolutely. I love that. Number one, build your own measuring stick of what success looks like for you. Not what success looks like according to society or your field or your mentor or your mom. I don't care what anybody (laughs) else thinks is success. Like, Figure out what this project, this initiative, whatever you're looking at, What will success look like this interview, um, whatever it is. And I will be successful if figure out what that is and keep your eye on that. Second thing I like to talk about keeping your eyes on your own paper. Mm, Yeah. Remember when you were in school and you were taking a test and you, you were really having to, you know, don't cheat. Don't look at what somebody else is doing. That's what we're doing in social media, right? When we're constantly saying who, I wonder what six other people are doing with their websites before I put together my about page. Guilty. (laughs) Yeah. Keep your eyes on your own paper because by doing that, you're getting over-influenced and you're diluting you and your personality. So, yeah, keep your eyes on your own paper is a really wonderful way. kind of snaps you back to high school and you remember, oh, right, there's a reason that you do that, right? And then the last thing I was going to say is you do you. Instead of focusing on the right way, the perfect way, and all that crap, do it your way right and maybe your way is a combination of several other people's ways maybe you're inventing something new but you only get one spin on this big blue marble make the most of it by being yourself being putting your personality forward and making sure that you're achieving your success on your own terms
0: i love that especially the last one because for me it was like when i started really getting into this idea of kind of accepting my body where it is and I started researching the body positive movement. There's no male voices out there or there's one or two. And I even was going into certain Facebook groups where it would be like no men allowed. If you're a man, we will kick you out. And I was just like, wait, you're talking about including people of all bodies into something, but you're taking out a whole entire gender. And it, I mean, we could go in, it's a whole other video, but like male body image, negative body image, male eating disorders, all of that has found the rise in the past like decade or more. So it's like, why are we, you know, not including those people as well? So for me, that was a huge part of why I wanted to do this because I was like, I do have that unique voice to share with people. You know, I want to talk about it with everybody, body positivity with everybody, but I have that male perspective that's not out there. So that's what's going to make me really stand out about this. And doing you is like something I tell people all the time. Like there is nobody else like you. So do what you do best and your people are going to find you. Your tribe's going to find you.
1: It's absolutely true. I love that. And you can't, um, I I love that you brought up the thing about, Women only that there's a very women only kind of focus in the coaching industry. It's kind of big too And I, I sometimes get the question. Well, do you coach men too as though? That's like some kind of taboo thing that we do and the answer is yes most of my clients are women not because I'm out there making sure of that but because there's so few men that are like you Christopher who are willing to really um, do the self-examination with a woman being their coach. So I so appreciate that you allow me to do that. And I am loving learning uh, about body image and my body shame stuff and really processing that, learning from you, learning from a man. Um, So I think we get so stuck in this idea that we have to listen to somebody who looks just like us. And that like-mindedness is a bad thing. It's actually holding us back and it's very small-minded. So I, I love that you're bringing that forward.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Is there anything else you want to add before we go?
1: I think Christopher is the greatest thing ever. I want Um, to add that. In all seriousness, I love everything that you're doing, Christopher. I'm so excited about both your Pilates practice, but your coaching as well. The world needs your voice, so please keep using it.
0: Thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you, and you've been a huge help You know, over the years in getting me out of my own way. I'm gonna link all of your information and in for your, um, the link for your book and everything below. I'm gonna add, um, you mentioned greater than yourself. What was his name again?
1: Steve Farber.
0: Steve Farber. I'm gonna link his book below as well. I just wanna say thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. I felt like it was a really good talk. I hope it is gonna help people. And if you guys want to learn a bit more about Hilda, check out Jenny's information in the um, description box below. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. I know you have to go.
2: Thank you so
0: much. much. That's rock and roll. (laughs) There
2: you go. I love you too. Bye. Bye.